welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 60, Priesthood Power. All right, today we are talking about sections 125 through 128, and I'm going to give you a quick recap of the first two sections, and then we're going to really get into sections 127 and 128. So after the expulsion from Missouri, the saints primarily gathered in what we know as Nauvoo, but there were other settlements in different areas, um, primarily Iowa. So section 125 is Joseph asking what the will of the Lord is for the saints who were there. And the Lord said in this section for them to move across the river from Nauvoo. And we're seeing yet again another example of the policy that was at the time for the saints to gather all into one place. But we know that right now, that is not our policy. Our policy is that we are to gather to the stakes of Zion, which we see through prophecy and scripture that that's how it was always intended to be. In prophecy, we hear about the stakes of Zion. We were supposed to consolidate at first, get stronger, and then spread throughout all the world and be the stakes of Zion holding up the tent. But for the time, I love thinking about how wise that council was. I think it did many things. Just a few that I thought of was they created a strong, unified way for the prophet to organize the church. If they were scattered all over, it would take a long time to communicate with everyone, making sure that everyone was operating the church the way that it was supposed to and resolving conflict the way that it was supposed to and not getting off too far off doctrine and using power and authority the way that it was supposed to. We are also seeing in the Doctrine and Covenants that clearly the Lord wanted a temple for the saints to do work in, and back then it wasn't really feasible that they could travel very far. And although there was a lot of conflict in the church, we can also see, I know the conflict is what we talk about a lot throughout church history, is what problems there were. But we can see through what they accomplished together, going to Missouri, to Illinois, to from, from all the way from New York, there was also a lot of unity. And a big part of that was just that they all traveled together. They all lived together. They all tried to gather in the same place. And that brought some of that unity. I also think about the formation of families within the church. Those families created by parents who were unified in the church were essential to a large enough population base to continue the church into our day. I know that my family does and my husband's family does. And also the fact that these big families were created with a lot of descendants that we have now in the church that creates so many missionaries and so many generations of people to then gather other families into the church. But without that unity of being in one place at the beginning, it would have been a lot harder for those, those families, those young people that were getting married and creating, starting to create their own families to find other members of the church to be unified with in that way. All that to say is the Lord is just so smart. And I love thinking about how well he planned all of this to ensure his church's success. All right. So section 126, this section, I think, is just such a tender reminder that the Lord sees our efforts and sacrifices within our church callings and also values our efforts at home. This section is directed specifically to Brigham Young, who up to this point, we really haven't heard a whole lot about. He was a member of the Twelve at the time, and he had had been on a long stint of missions, and his health had taken a toll. And based on this section, I assume his family needed his attention as well. And this section reminds me that there is a time for everything. The Lord wanted him out on those missions when he was on those missions, and he did what he was supposed to do on those missions. But... Now, clearly, the Lord wants him back, taking care of his family. So sometimes our attention at home is the most important thing that we need to be doing. 
Okay, so moving on to the main event of this episode. Sections 127 and 128 are so cool. There are so many things within it that I could focus on. So make sure you listen to other podcasts and and other things that people pull out of them and make do your own reading and get your own things out of them because there is just so much cool doctrine in these in these sections. And in these sections, Joseph is primarily talking about baptisms for the dead. They are different than all of the other sections of the Doctrine and Covenants because they are written in letter form, very much in Joseph's own natural voice. So that makes it extra fun to read because we really don't get a whole lot of that, at least in the scriptures. Now, you might be wondering, why was he writing letters to the brethren instead of talking to them or having, you know, giving them a sermon and then having that, that sermon taken down? Joseph was on the run. Nauvoo had been doing really well, but Governor Boggs from Missouri had been killed, and there was some thought that Joseph was involved because at some point Joseph prophesied that Governor Boggs would meet a quick demise. And then it happened, so naturally a lot of people thought that perhaps Joseph orchestrated it. So when he wrote these sections, he was on the run, and you know, if I'm on the run, naturally I'm going to be thinking a lot about baptisms for the dead. Just goes to show you how just focused Joseph was. And I thought the way that he he started section 127 was just admirable to listen to um, about what he has to say about the trials that he's going through. He said in section 127, verse 2, And as for the perils which I am called to pass through, they seem but a small thing to me. As the envy and wrath of man have been my common lot all the days of my life, for what cause it seems mysterious, unless I was ordained from before the foundation of the world for some good end or bad, as you may choose to call it. Judge ye for yourselves. God knoweth all these things, whether it be good or bad, but nevertheless deep water is what I am wont to swim in. It has become second nature to me, and I feel like Paul to glory in tribulation. For to this day has the God of my fathers delivered me out of them all, and will deliver me from henceforth. For behold and lo, I shall triumph over all my enemies, for the Lord God hath spoken it. Don't you just love that response? to tribulation. What a great example. And he says, I feel like Paul to glory in tribulation. I mean, I don't necessarily want to call tribulation upon myself, but I sure hope I can handle it like Joseph did. All right. So these sections have just such cool doctrine in it. And it shows us how well Joseph knew the scriptures and then how he used the scriptures in order to continually get revelation. And Joseph is just such a great example to follow when we look at his life and how he gets answers. He asks the Lord. I mean, this all started through a question that he asked the Lord. And then this section is him referencing a bunch of different scriptures and then getting insight through the Lord about those scriptures, about the doctrine. My favorite part of these two sections is in section 128, verse 11. Now the great and grand sect of the whole matter and the summum bonum of the whole subject that is lying before us consists in obtaining the powers of the holy priesthood. For him to whom these keys are given, there is no difficulty in obtaining a knowledge of facts in relation to the salvation of the children of men, both as well for the dead as for the living. I love thinking about the power of personal revelation. This last week, I went to the Payson Temple and experienced some version of the kind of revelation that Joseph is talking about. It is also referred to as having our minds enlightened or our understanding quickened. I always struggle to describe how I have experienced it adequately. When I am in tune with the Spirit, 
and I am reading or hearing something or thinking about something that I don't quite understand, sometimes as soon as I ask the Lord for clarification, it is immediate. It doesn't happen every time. And a lot of times when it doesn't happen, I think it has to do more with my willingness or readiness to hear that answer. But when this does happen, it is not me working it out in my own mind. It is an immediate answer that did not come from me. And the other way that I have felt revelation helping me understand doctrine feels more like an expansion of my understanding, moving beyond what I had previously understood. And it's hard. It's a hard feeling to describe because when you're not experiencing it yourself, you can just, you think of it more in how you learn something like in a class and you, you're gaining greater understanding, but it feels different when it's being given to you by the spirit. It does not feel like it's coming from you because it's not. We all men and women can have access to the power of the priesthood. Elder Russell M. Ballard said, those who have priesthood keys literally make it possible for all who serve faithfully under their direction to exercise priesthood authority and have access to priesthood power. And we learned a few weeks ago that priesthood keys open the door. We cannot walk through that door ourselves. We must have the door unlocked for us by one who holds keys. And after that, we are able to enter in through that door and enjoy the power of the priesthood that is beyond that door. We learn about priesthood authority in section 121, verse 39. It says, We have learned by sad experience that it is the nature and disposition of almost all men, as soon as they get a little authority, as they suppose, they will immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. Hence, many are called, but few are chosen. We also learn in that section, in verse 36, how it is possible to entirely attain the same power that Heavenly Father uses to do the things that He does. It says that the rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven and that the powers of heaven cannot be controlled nor handled only upon the principles of righteousness that they may be conferred upon us. It is true. But when we undertake to cover our sins or gratify our pride or vain ambition or exercise control or dominion or compulsion upon the souls of the children of men in any degree of unrighteousness, behold, the heavens withdraw themselves. Okay, so the priesthood is inseparably connected with the powers of heaven. We can all have access through those who hold the rights and keys of the priesthood to that power. And that power of heaven is also inseparably connected with righteousness. There is a lot of different kinds of power that comes with priesthood keys. We are told by Spencer W. Kimball that there are still keys yet to be conferred upon man. He said, there are other priesthood keys that have not been given to man on the earth, including the keys of, listen to this, the keys of creation and resurrection. Have you ever thought about the priesthood like that? That full access to the priesthood would mean full access to the power that Heavenly Father has. The power of creation. The power of resurrection. Does that make you think any differently about the amazing things? that our more limited version of the priesthood can do here on earth, it is literally a limited access to the power that God has. And if through the power of the priesthood, amazing things like that can be accomplished, like resurrection or creation, why would we not believe that Heavenly Father couldn't do something so simple as to quicken our understanding and give us knowledge about what Joseph describes 
where he says, Now the great and grand secret of the whole matter and the summum bonum of the whole subject that is lying before us consists in obtaining the powers of the holy priesthood. For to him whom these keys are given, there is no difficulty in obtaining a knowledge of the facts in relation to the salvation of the children of men, both as well for the dead as for the living. Joseph is showing us here that one of the ways that he received revelation about the Lord's doctrine is through the scriptures, is through asking, and through that priesthood power that we all have access to. We don't all hold the priesthood, but we all have access to priesthood power. And just as a quick aside, let's appreciate the words that he uses there. He says facts, a knowledge of the facts. Remember that the doctrine of Jesus Christ is fact. Now, there are varying degrees that we believe, but belief in a fact doesn't change whether it's a fact or not. I have faith that the things that we are learning in the scriptures and from our prophets are facts. I do not yet have a perfect knowledge of all things, as we learn in Alma 32, that it was not a perfect knowledge. Even so it is with my words, you cannot know of their surety at first unto perfection any more than faith is a perfect knowledge. For example, I'm going to tell you that I'm wiggling my fingers right now. Maybe you believe me, or maybe you think I'm really just sitting here with my microphone and not wiggling my fingers. But the fact remains that I am wiggling my fingers right now as I record this. And it's still a fact whether you believe it or not. And whether you believe it's a fact depends on how much you trust me. So in strengthening our testimony, just very first that there is a God and that God does not lie, can strengthen your testimony that these things, that this gospel is fact. And you have even greater motivation to believe that because your faith in God hopefully is far greater than any faith you could ever have in me. And I think probably if you're listening, you probably believe that I am wiggling my fingers. And so if God is there, if Every sign that we see around us, that he is there, that he is with us, that he is supporting us, that he made us, he is way more trustworthy than I am. So just to reiterate, your belief in a fact doesn't change whether it's a fact or not, nor does it prove that it is a fact. A confirmation of truth comes through the power of the Holy Ghost. That is one of his main jobs, to testify of truth. It's one of those things that if a person is not a believer, they might qualify that as an illegitimate way to verify truth. But when you experience it, when the Spirit testifies to your heart, there is nothing more powerful. And sometimes that's what makes things so tricky, right? In order for that witness to be valid, it has to be a personal experience. It has to happen inside your own heart. And that's how it was always intended to be. Heavenly Father didn't send us down here with proof because that change, it needs to happen in your heart. That is how we grow. That is how we become more like him is to learn to have faith, to learn to believe in facts without proof, because without a willingness to completely submit ourselves to him, to align our will with his, to be completely humble in order to qualify to get answers like that, that is what it takes to change our hearts enough that we can even come close to being worthy of exaltation. And that humility, that faith, couldn't happen if we were just sent here with proof. 
I always tell my kids that ultimately believing in the scriptures, believing in Jesus Christ, having a relationship with him is up to them. I am not the Holy Ghost. I cannot reach their hearts the way that he can. And the same goes with all of us. I'm going to remind you yet again what President Nelson has said recently about personal revelation. He says, in like manner, what will your seeking open for you? What wisdom do you lack? What do you feel an urgent need to know or understand? Follow the example of the prophet Joseph. Find a quiet place where you can regularly go. Humble yourself before God. Pour out your heart to your Heavenly Father. Turn to Him for answers and for comfort. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ about your concerns, your fears, your weaknesses. Yes, the very longings of your heart. And then listen. Write the thoughts that come to your mind. Record the feelings and follow through with the actions that you are prompted to take. As you repeat this process day after day, month after month, year after year, you will grow into the principle of revelation. Does God really want to speak to you? Yes. As well might man stretch forth his puny arm to stop the Missouri River in its decreed course as to hinder the Almighty from pouring down knowledge from heaven upon the heads of the Latter-day Saints. You don't have to wonder about what is true. You do not have to wonder whom you can safely trust. Through personal revelation, you can receive your own witness that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God, that Joseph Smith is a prophet, that this is the Lord's church, regardless of what others may say or do. No one can ever take that away, a witness born to your heart and mind about what is true. I urge you to stretch beyond your current spiritual ability to receive personal revelation. For the Lord has promised that if thou shalt seek, thou shalt receive revelation upon revelation, knowledge upon knowledge, that thou mayest know the mysteries and peaceable things, that which bringeth joy, that which bringeth life eternal. Every blessing the Lord has for you, even miracles, will follow. That is what personal revelation will do for you. Our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, will perform some of His mightiest works between now and when He comes again. We will see miraculous indications that God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, preside over His church in majesty and glory. But in the coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. My beloved brothers and sisters, I plead with you to increase your spiritual capacity to receive revelation. We can learn so much from our prophet. Make sure you're reading his words over and over again. We can also learn so much from the pattern that Joseph displayed throughout his life and throughout these sections, studying the scriptures, asking questions in faith and purity of heart, using the power of the priesthood through our covenants, through our callings. He testifies to us that through those things, we can obtain the knowledge of God. But what if you feel like you're searching and praying and asking in faith and it feels as though the heavens are closed to you? Anytime that I feel like that, I try my very hardest to not doubt the Lord. The Lord will tell me anything that I am ready to hear and ready to be accountable for. I ask myself, am I ready for the knowledge that I am asking for? Am I willing to act on whatever he tells me? Have I learned and internalized the principles that build upon what I am asking about? Have I first done the basics? Have I read the Book of Mormon? Have I exercised faith? Am I going to church? Am I going to the temple? I challenge you to first question where you need to change before you question why God is failing you. 
We learned that last week with Joseph, when he said, Where is the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place? Was the Lord hiding from Joseph? No. The Lord is always within our reach. Instead, ask what is keeping you from him. No one will do it for you. No one will increase your spiritual capacity to receive personal revelation for you. Just like I tell my kids, it is entirely up to you to keep going. President Nelson promises us, to be sure, there may be times when you feel as though the heavens are closed. But I promise that as you continue to be obedient, expressing gratitude for every blessing the Lord gives you, and as you patiently honor the Lord's timetable, you will be given the knowledge and understanding you seek. Joseph ends these letters in a way that reflects how I always feel after I receive personal revelation. Just complete awe and amazement at how perfectly all of this fits together and how incredible our God is, how much sense the plan of salvation makes. This week as I was studying, I was thinking about how it just makes so much sense that we are given priesthood power line upon line as we show that we can use it righteously seeking only to glorify God and to do his will just like Jesus Christ has done and is continuing to do, to glorify his Father. I want to end with Joseph's amazement as he ponders the power and necessity of baptisms for the dead. He says, Malachi says, last chapter, verses 5th and 6th, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. I might have rendered a plainer translation to this, but it is sufficiently plain to suit my purposes as it stands. It is sufficient to know in this case that the earth will be smitten with a curse unless there is a welding link of some kind or other between fathers and the children upon some subject or another. And behold, what is that subject? It is the baptism for the dead. For we without them cannot be made perfect, neither can they without us be made perfect, neither can they nor we be made perfect without those who have died in the gospel also. For it is necessary in the ushering in of the dispensation of the fullness of times, which dispensation is now beginning to usher in, that a whole and complete and perfect union and welding together of dispensations and keys and powers and glory should take place and be revealed from the days of Adam even to the present time. And not only this, but those things which never have been revealed from the foundation of the world, but have been kept hidden from the wise and prudent, shall be revealed unto babes and sucklings in this, the dispensation of the fullness of times. Now what do we hear in the gospel which we have received? A voice of gladness, a voice of mercy from heaven, a voice of truth out of the earth, glad tidings for the dead, a voice of gladness for the living and the dead, glad tidings of great joy. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those that bring glad tidings of good things, and that say unto Zion, Behold, thy God reigneth. As the dews of Carmel, so shall the knowledge of God descend upon them. Brethren, shall we not go on in so great a cause? Go forward and not backward. Courage, brethren, and on and on to the victory. Let your hearts rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Let the earth break forth into singing. Let the dead speak forth anthems of eternal praise to the King Emmanuel, who hath ordained before the world was that which would enable us to redeem them out of their prison. For the prisoners shall go free. Let the mountains shout for joy, and all ye valleys cry aloud. 
and all ye seas and dry lands tell the wonders of your eternal king. And ye rivers and brooks and rills flow down with gladness. Let the woods and all the trees of the field praise the Lord, and ye solid rocks weep for joy. And let the sun, moon, and morning stars sing together, and let all the sons of God shout for joy, and let the eternal creations declare his name forever. And again I say, how glorious is the voice we hear from heaven, proclaiming in our ears glory and salvation and honor and immortality and eternal life, kingdoms, principalities, and powers. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, if it brought the spirit to your day, if it made you feel invigorated about the gospel, share it with someone. These are the ways that we can spread the gospel to all the world. These are the ways that we can support and uphold our brothers and sisters in the gospel by making sure that we are talking about the gospel, that we are connecting about the gospel, that we are actively engaged in being excited about the scriptures and being excited about this amazing doctrine. So share, share, share. Don't just share my stuff. Share the work of other people who are doing such great things, putting such great effort and personal sacrifice into taking the time each day, each week. There's so many people who are doing way more than I am at putting out amazing content that help bring us closer to Christ. I'll talk to you again next week. 